The views and opinions expressed on my story, Living with Lupus Podcast, represents each person's individual experience. By listening to this podcast or reading our blog, you agree not to use this podcast or blog as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. As always, consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. My Story Living with Lupus podcast is officially trademarked, all rights reserved. Thank you for joining me for another episode of My Story Living with Lupus. I'm your host, Susan Hendricks, and I'm so glad that you could join me on this Friday, February 28th, 2020. Today, we'll be talking about it's just not hospitals that sue patients who can't pay. And in our last segment, it's all about healthcare roundup. And from fraud to Ghana presidency. So you know what I want you to do? That's right, everyone from the U.S. all the way to Saudi Arabia. Grab that cup of coffee, that cup of tea, and to those who are listening late at night, You know I appreciate you, so grab your favorite glass of wine and join the conversation right here on My Story Living with Lupus. Ophthalmology Associates, PC, Doctors Berman and Dr. Zuckerbrod, treating diseases of the eye and eye surgery. You can reach them at 313-341-3450. If you would like to appear on an episode of My Story Living with Lupus, you can contact us at mystorylivingwithlupus at gmail.com. Also visit us on our Instagram page and also our website, My Story Living with Lupus.
you for joining me. Now we're going to talk about it's not just hospitals that sue patients who can't pay. This situation had taken place in Nashville, Tennessee. Now, until very recently, the separate company that runs the emergency department at Nashville General Hospital was continuing to haul patients who couldn't pay medical bills into court. Now, Nashville General Hospital is a safety net facility funded by the Tennessee Capital City. For a patient without insurance, this is supposed to be the best place to go in a city with many hospitals. But for the uninsured, it may have been the worst choice in 2019. Now, its emergency room was taking more patients to court for unpaid medical bills than any other hospital or practice in town. A WPLN investigation found the physician staffing firm that runs the ER sued 700 patients in Davidson County during 2019. They included patients such as Sonia Johnson, a 52-year-old social worker and single mother. By juggling her care between a nonprofit clinic and Nashville General, Johnson had figured out how to manage her health problems, even though she was, until recently, uninsured. In 2018, she went to see her doctor, who charges patients on a sliding scale. Her tongue was swollen, and she was feeling weak. The diagnosis, severe anemia. Her doctor called her back on Halloween day and stated that she needed to get to the ER stat and that they were waiting on her when she got there. Nashville General kept her overnight and gave her a blood transfusion. They wanted to keep her a second night, but she was worried about the mounting cost and asked to be sent home. Now, staying the one night meant she was admitted to the hospital itself. And the bill for that part of her care wasn't so bad, Johnson stated. The institution's financial counselor offered a 75% discount because of her strained finances and because her job didn't offer health insurance at the time. But emergency rooms are often run by an entirely separate entity. In Nashville General's case, the proprietor was a company called Southeastern Emergency Physicians, and that's the name on the bill that showed up in Johnson's mailbox 
months later for $2,700. How in the world could she pay this company when she even couldn't even pay for health care insurance? Johnson didn't recognize the name of the physician practice, so she Google searched and didn't help mu- that didn't help much. There's no particular website though, a listing of web pages that do turn up, and such a search suggests the company's staffs a number of emergency departments in the region. Johnson stated she tried calling the number listed on her bill to see if she could get the same charity care discount the hospital gave her, but she could only leave messages. And then came a knock at her apartment door over the summer. It was Davison County Sheriff's Department with a summons requiring Johnson to appear in court. She stated it was scary. She said, and she recalled thinking, what have I done? And for a medical bill, when we return, we'll delve forward into this, so stay with me. The Charlie E. and Minnie P. Hendricks Foundation for Chronic Illness Awareness. See one, reach one, Educate one to empower the masses, giving hope and empowering those who suffer from chronic illness. You can reach the foundation at 313-303-9217 or visit their website at https semicolon forward slash forward slash c-e-m-p-h foundation.com this is a 501c3 organization no one should live in lack Thank you for joining me. Now we're going to talk about it's not just hospitals that sue patients who can't pay. This situation had taken place in Nashville, Tennessee. Now, until very recently, the separate company that runs the emergency department at Nashville General Hospital was continuing to haul patients who couldn't pay medical bills into court. Now, Nashville General Hospital is a safety net facility funded by the Tennessee Capital City. For a patient without insurance, this is supposed to be the best place to go in a city with many hospitals. 
but for the uninsured, it may have been the worst choice in 2019. Now, its emergency room was taking more patients to court for unpaid medical bills than any other hospital or practice in town. A WPLN investigation found the physician staffing firm that runs the ER sued 700 patients in Davidson County during 2019. They included patients such as Sonia Johnson, a 52-year-old social worker and single mother. By juggling her care between a nonprofit clinic and Nashville General, Johnson had figured out how to manage her health problems, even though she was, until recently, uninsured. In 2018, she went to see her doctor, who charges patients on a sliding scale. Her tongue was swollen, and she was feeling weak. The diagnosis, severe anemia. Her doctor called her back on Halloween day and stated that she needed to get to the ER stat and that they were waiting on her when she got there. Nashville General kept her overnight and gave her a blood transfusion. They wanted to keep her a second night, but she was worried about the mounting cost and asked to be sent home. Now, staying the one night meant she was admitted to the hospital itself, and the bill for that part of her care wasn't so bad, Johnson stated. The institution's financial counselor offered a 75% discount because of her strained finances and because her job didn't offer health insurance at the time. But emergency rooms are often run by an entirely separate entity. In Nashville General's case, the proprietor was a company called Southeastern Emergency Physicians, and that's the name on the bill that showed up in Johnson's mailbox months later for $2,700. How in the world could she pay this company? when she even couldn't even pay for health care insurance. Johnson didn't recognize the name of the physician practice, so she Google searched and didn't help mu- that didn't help much. There's no particular website though, a listing of web pages that do turn up and such a search suggests the company staffs a number of emergency departments in the region. Johnson stated she tried calling, 
the number listed on her bill to see if she could get the same charity care discount the hospital gave her. But she could only leave messages. And then came and knocked at her apartment door over the summer. It was Davidson County Sheriff's Department with a summons requiring Johnson to appear in court. She stated it was scary. She said, and she recalled thinking, what have I done? And for a medical bill, when we return, we'll delve forward into this, so stay with me. From fraud to Ghana presidency, another sports doc abuse scandal. Bad practice, a weekly roundup of clinicians accused, convicted, or under investigation. This weekly roundup features arrests, criminal proceedings, and other reports alleging improper or questionable conduct by healthcare professionals. A vascular surgeon from Florida allegedly built $26 million from insurers allegedly to fuel his political ambitions in Ghana. Moses DeGraff Johnson, MD, who ran the Heart and Vascular Institute of Northern Florida in Tallahassee, was accused of falsely billing Medicaid, Medicare, and other insurers for cardiac procedures he never performed. Now, the doctor allegedly claimed that he performed more than 3,600 procedures over five years and filed claims that were never done. In some instances, the doctor claimed he performed procedures on dates he was out of the country. According to prosecutors, DeGrav Johnson's ultimate long-term professional goal was to become the president of Ghana and was using his fraud proceeds to establish an empire in foreign country. Court records show that DeGraff Johnson wired $1.8 million to entities associates within Ghana. Although his lawyer said the money is being used to help the country's people. But one thing I have to say about this, you're taking money that was supposedly well, let me put it this way, Dr. Johnson, you were supposedly helping people in this country, but you took from this country fraudulently 
and help state it, allegedly helping people in another country. Hmm. In Georgia, a doctor accused of running a pill mill has been sentenced to two decades in prison. The U.S. Department of Justice reported Frank Bynes Jr., M.D., was found guilty of unlawfully dispensing controlled substances and health care fraud, wrote prescriptions for more than 1,800 patients. He was connected to more than 50,000 pharmacies. Lord have mercy, feels over three years, totaling 4.6 million doses of controlled substances. Investigators also said that Bynes prescribed the Holy Trinity cocktail of opioids to patients he knew were addicted and prescribed the combination to Medicare patients at a rate higher than any other physician in the U.S. The doctor was also accused of using a fake police badge to intimidate patients, coercing female patients into providing sexual favors in return for prescription drugs. Prosecutors stated, The University of Michigan announced that it will investigate a doctor accused of sexual assault that spanned multiple decades, according to the New York Times. The announcement follows several allegations of sexual misconduct including unnecessary medical exams against Robert Anderson, a football team physician and director of the university's health service who retired in 2003 and died in 2008. Although local prosecutors said the statute of limitations precluded bringing charges in connection with the allegations, university officials said they will continue to to pursue the investigation. In Pennsylvania, a physician was sentenced to prison after pleading guilty to 14 counts of distributing controlled substances outside the course of professional practice. Federal prosecutors state spiral cases, a 66-year-old specialist in psychiatry and pain medicine admitted to selling prescriptions for opioid drugs, including oxycodone, for $200 each. Lord, the government said cases sold prescriptions in the back room of his East Norton office and saw about 45 patients a day, 
In some cases, he distributes dangerous drug cocktails to his patients, which consisted of oxycodone and methadone. Another former Indiana health services doctor has been indicted by a federal grand jury for sexual misconduct. The Justice Department says Pedro Perseer, 58, who was formerly employed by the Wagner Indiana Health Service Clinic in South Dakota, is charged with four counts of sexual abuse, four counts of abusive sexual contact. The indictment alleges sexual misconduct through use of fear. Prosecutors in Texas are seeking the death penalty for a nurse accused of murdering several patients, William Davis R.N., who previously worked for the Christus Owens Heart Hospital in Tyler, faces multiple accounts that include capital murder, first-degree murder, and aggravated assault. Davis, 36, is accused of the deaths and injuries of seven patients, all who were, who were recovering from cardiovascular surgeries in the hospital's cardiovascular intensive care unit. That has been the weekly roundup in healthcare news. Before I go, I want to make one correction. And it was regarding another former Indian Health Services doctor, not Indiana. I'm not feeling good today. So let me just make that correction. Um, When I stated Indiana, I meant to say Indian Health Services doctor that had been indicted by a federal grand jury for sexual misconduct. Also, I would like to make this personally clear. I am not against doctors. I'm against doctors who built the system. I'm against doctors who don't care about their patients that just get them in and get them out who won't open their ears and listen. I'm against a healthcare system which is now become a big business full of greed. That's what I'm against. I don't want anybody to think that I Do not like doctors. I don't like, to be honest with you, slick doctors who know that patients 
really don't understand what's going on in this field, who try to run in and everything on a patient to just build the insurance for anything they can. I'm against a system which gives less than a damn about the sick and the needy. That's what I'm against. So not all doctors are bad. Not all doctors are the same. I'm against those who don't take their oath seriously. That's what I'm against. I hope that you found this episode informative. By the time you're listening to it, I will be at the hospital for testing. Um, I'm still not feeling any better. The fatigue day by day is tremendous, but I keep moving forward. Um, and um, we're going to see what the testing states, if the thyroid needs to come out or if they can put me on medication. But I wish you a most peaceful, enjoyable, positive, but oh so blessed weekend. I'm Susan Hendricks, your host for my story, Living with Lupus. I'll see you next week.
The views and opinions expressed on my story, Living with Lupus Podcast, represents each person's individual experience. By listening to this podcast or reading our blog, you agree not to use this podcast or blog as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. As always, consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. My Story Living with Lupus podcast is officially trademarked, all rights reserved.